The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. In Northern politics, for the first time ever, there will be a non-unionist, a Republican um, first minister, that being Michelle O'Neill. She is going to be sworn in today and the devolved government returns and it returns, I think, almost exactly 24 months to the day uh, since the Democratic Unionist Party collapsed the institutions in in a squabble over post-Brexit trading uh, arrangements. With us is Pierce Doherty, who is Sinn Féin spokesperson on finance and TD for Donegal. Morning, Deputy Doherty. Good morning to you. Um, obviously, it is it is in political with a big P terms significant. What difference will the return of the devolved government make to the average person on the street in Northern Ireland? Look, in politics, you have many significant kind of days, you know, when governments change or when people are elected or presidents elected. Um, but this is very much different to this in, in, in my view. And I would say in the, in the views of many people right across the island, this is a truly historic day. It is a seismic change because we have to remember that the state of Northern Ireland, the Stormont Parliament was created on the basis that there would be a, a dominance of uh, unionist rule, an inbuilt majority uh, indefinitely in terms of unionism as it was once proclaimed a Protestant parliament for a Protestant people and today at one o'clock or shortly afterwards uh, a Republican woman from Tyrone, uh, the Sinn Féin uh, MLA uh, will be elected as First Minister for the North and I think that is a hugely symbolic uh, departure, a hugely symbolic moment for people who during that election of, of 2022 in the Assembly elections, we were meeting on the streets, people and they were older, who were older, who were telling us that they were on their civil rights marches. You know, they were demanding the right to vote. They were demanding the right to housing. They were demanding the right to be recognised and respected in the place where they were born into and today to see uh, the change that has come about for, for over decades of of. of of campaigning and, but and I, I suppose in one way though in a, in a sort of a, a paradoxical way the ultimate measure of that change is the point at which it doesn't matter that people get on with the reality of politics and, and the warp and weft of the things that matters to their life in that in that case what effect does this have? how do things change for people what are the actual differences that are devolved assembly well, make or is it just the, symbolism well there's two things there, there's a huge symbolism here but it is also a signpost it's a signpost that the state, which was a, a unionist state, is no longer a unionist state. We've seen that in successive elections, where unionism has lost the majority, where Sinn Féin is now the largest party in the North, and that will be, uh, again, symbolised in the uh, election of, uh, of Michelle O'Neill later today. It's a signpost of things to come in terms of where we're lo- moving in terms of a referendum on Irish unity. But crucially, it's also about Parliament being restored, power sharing being restored, parties in the North, regardless of their political opinions, who have a democratic mandate coming together to deliver for people right across this island and particularly in the North. And that's what's crucial today. After two years where the DUP were boycotting the Assembly, uh, that they have now decided to return, to enter into power share. And there's huge issues uh, in, in, in the North. There's issues in terms of public pay. There's issues in terms of the underfunding of the health service after a decade of Tory austerity. 
all of these issues need to be dealt with and the only way we can, the best way we can deal with them is actually having power sharing back up and running, the North-South Ministerial uh, Council up and running so that uh, decisions and things can be implemented in all Ireland bases and uh, that is to the benefit of all sections of society, North and South and we've seen many projects in the past, whether they were in health, whether they were infrastructure that were delivered on that basis. So this is about grappling with some of the challenges. All of the parties recognise that that isn't going to be easy because every single party, whether you're the Sinn Féin or the DUP or parties that are now going to take up an opposition position, all recognise that the North is underfunded and that's going to be a major challenge for the new executive. Can I but ask them, Party, about the advice, yeah. uh, just in relation to the, the relative sensitivities that this will obviously bring? Because if you're on the Republican side, this is momentous and significant in a positive way. If you're on the Unionist side, it is momentous and significant in a negative way. At a point at which there is obvious tenderness among the loyalist and unionist community, was it wise to immediately start rubbing salt in the wound with discussions of a united Ireland? Listen, nobody has got their heads in the sand in the north. I'm sitting up here in Stormont. People understand, and this conversation is alive and and very much alive and has been probably turbocharged since Brexit. People understand that there will be a referendum on on the issue of Irish unity. It's part of the Good Friday Agreement, which is now over a century old. Uh, You know, former leaders of the DUP nearly a decade ago were talking about that they need to organise and prepare for that referendum. So it's a part of reality that is going to happen. What we would like to see, Anton, is actually the Irish government who argued the position that we would like they would like to see a new Ireland as part of our constitution, uh, a united Ireland. We would argue that we actually need to set up the institutions where we can have a sensible conversation about what that looks like, an inclusive conversation, which means that we need to have a, a citizens' assembly, we need to have a, a white paper on Irish unity, we need the Irish government to be part of that but discussion. I'm just which I'm is more happening asking right about around the, us. the advisability of the timing of bringing that discussion to the fore. If you have literally just, you're on the cusp, it has yet to occur, of returning to devolve government. If for the first time that you have a Republican first minister, is this the point to say, right, day one, let's launch back into public discussions about the feasibility of a referendum on a united Ireland? Well, let me make this point, Anton. In a state that was designed never to have a nationalist, let alone a Republican, heading uh, the, the, the Stormont Assembly, people understand that Michelle O'Neill is a Republican. She wants a united Ireland. Sinn Féin wants to bring about a new Ireland and the change that that can bring about. There's no point pretending that that's who we are. We also recognise that the DUP, as we've heard over the last couple of uh, days as they were selling uh, their re-entry into Stormont, believe in the union, believe that this has secured their place in the union, that's fine. That's the, that's the beauty about the Good Friday Agreement. It has moved us from a position where there was conflict, where there was uh, terrible things happening in the North, where uh, politicians of different perspectives can have these arguments and that there is a democratic way to resolve this. And that is in the, fo- in the way of a border poll that will happen North and South. It is our uh, view that this is the decade of change. And people in the South, and I see it in many areas in my own constituency and elsewhere, and there's some sections who believe that change is impossible, whether it's on housing or health or whatever. And I would say to them, as I'm st- sitting here in Stormont today, and I see old people around me who who, who were there at the time uh, of the civil rights marches, when people were gone down in the streets for demanding to have the audacity to stand up for the right to vote, for the right to housing. I say that change is possible when you believe in it and when you campaign for it. So, you okay. know, when do you people think understand where be? we're coming from. 
When do you think that our, referendum Our view is that this, de- this referendum should be in this decade. And what we need to do now, Anton, is we need to start preparing for what that looks like. Having the discussion about what a, a new Ireland, what a united Ireland will mean for our economy, for our health service, what it means for rights. How does a million people who identify as, as, as British be not only recognised but cherished in New Ireland? And Michelle O'Neill is very clear as she takes up uh, her position as First Minister that she is a First Minister for all. Yes, she's a Republican. Yes, she's the Deputy Leader of Sinn Féin. But she will represent everybody without fear or favour. And that is the new, that is the, the hope, that is the opportunity now that we have to show that that is the type of uh, leadership that Michelle will give. And that's the type of New Ireland that we want to bring about as well, where it's inclusive, where everybody's recognised, whether you're orange or green, or whether you identify as neither. And that's the, that's the important thing here, that we believe genuinely that a New Ireland is possible, but also it's in the benefit of everybody's interest. Can I, can I draw you to um, matters south of the border? Because Sinn Féin obviously has had a huge growth in popularity over uh, recent years, culminating at a, a peak of 36% uh, support in a, a Red Sea poll in, in the Business Post. Last weekend, we saw that that has dropped from 36% down to 25%. To what do you attribute that drop in support and that loss of momentum? You know, some some politicians say that you know uh, the only poll that counts is the election, and like, there's truth in that. But like politicians take interest in, in opinion polls and where the public are at, and it's not just opinion polls. We go out and we engage with people. There's huge frustration across the state on, on different areas, and maybe some of that is 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 is, is falling on us, and we may not be communicating our, our message clearly enough. I also recognise that two weeks before that, there was another newspaper had an opinion poll. And we were up 2% in that opinion poll. So you do have to just look at this in, in, in the round. Where we're at, you know, people said... But I would have thought the, the issues election. that are... I mean, where you say that there is dissatisfaction, for, for a major political... Op, sorry, for a major opposition party, dissatisfaction is grist to your mill. That should see you increasing in popularity. It, it seems that the, that growth has stalled. Have you, have you a, 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 an analysis as to why? Well, as I said to you, you know, the previous newspaper's opinion poll just two weeks before that had us actually up 2%. So, you know, I think yeah, we're talking a shift of 36% down to 25 I mean, that's precipitous over a year. No, and that's fine. And, what, you know, we took 24% in the last general election. And we have, you know, even this poll has a slightly above that. And people argued at that time in the general election, Anthony, that that was a protest vote that, you know, Sinn Féin wouldn't be able to secure that vote four or five years on. And it's clear that people still want change. I hear it all across a society that people want change. And look, you know, we've seen it. We've seen, if you look at the other political parties, both the Fáil and the Gael are, are dropping from their general election support that they got four years ago. We know our job in Sinn Féin, our job is to convince people that change is possible. The government's job is to convince people that change is not possible, that unaffordable housing is the future. But I suppose my question is that you had been so successful at doing that, that there was such clear momentum and that that was clearly landing. And even down to the extent of a lot of the political analysis was the when Sinn Féin take power, that it was almost an, an assumption at that point. It just seems strange that that would have been so reversed. It, it, a lot of the analysis suggests you were wrong-footed by immigration. Well, f- first of all, let, let, let me be clear on this here. We take nothing for granted and we are owed nothing. 
And that's why I'm saying we are very clear on what we have to do. We have to convince people that change is possible, that change is possible in housing and health and in local communities. And, and that's our job. And we're ready for that. And we're, we're very, very confident going into the next election because we know in Mary Lou McDonald, we have a great leader that can articulate those positions in, in those debates. But we also have a, a very good and robust front bench with good policies that underpin that. Immigration is an issue right across society. The government are making a mess of it. There is absolutely no doubt about about that. We can see that in terms of uh, the way that they are, are changing policies now in relation to uh, to, to immigration. Uh, we're seeing the lack of consultation that has happened in different areas and the frustration that that is building up. So, look, you know, that that's one issue. There's no doubt about it. We need to be communicating our position clear uh, to the public in, in relation to that. But also we need to, the challenge for us is to be able to show that that we can have a government without Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael for the first time in the history of the state, Anton. And a lot of people think that that may be impossible. But I'll tell you something. The fellow who came to me when I knocked on his door in Derry two years ago and went to canvas for uh, Poetic de Largi, who's now in MLA, when he came to me, he just put his hands up and he says, I don't need you to say anything. I was there in Bardentullet Bridge marching for our rights. I know the significance of this election and I know what it means to people. That is somebody who thought change was never possible. Today, they are being seen in the election of Michelle O'Neill that change is possible. And we need to be able to show people from Cork to Donegal that that same thing can happen in the South. And that just like in the North, it has been led, led and driven by Sinn Féin. Um, setting uh, party politics aside for one uh, second, if you could put on your, your finance spokesperson hat, because one of the issues that has been significant over the last number of months has been the crisis in RTE. And the big discussion now is what method of funding should there be for the broadcaster and the debate split between whether it be effectively pay for use through a form of licence fee or media charge or whether it be straight uh, out of the exchequer funding. What's your position? Look, our position is clear, and Mary Lou uh, outlined that position last last year. Um, we believe uh, to implement the Commission on the Future of Media report. That's a commission that was uh, was sanctioned by the government, reported the, to them three years ago before there was ever a scandal in RTE or this scandal in RTE, um, and they recommended very clearly that the TV license should go. Uh, it should be. It should go this year. They recommended, and they recommended that that uh, revenue be replaced by exchequer funding, and uh, that that funding be determined by Commission the Man, which is now set up, which is independent, and it is provided on a multi-annual basis, so that you know the government of the day can't be cutting or uh, or, or increasing it. That it's uh, that it's there over a, a period of time. So we believe very clearly, Anton, uh, that the TV license should go. Uh, it is what's happened in terms of the scandal in RTE has just probably fast-tracked the position because there has been a huge drop-off of the support uh, in terms of paying the TV licence. Um, it was re- as much as 30% reduced at points last year. We're probably about one in four not paying the TV licence uh, uh, on average last year. Um, and, the, you know, the confidence is completely and utterly rattled. So, uh, you know, it is time for the TV licence to be scrapped uh, and RTE should be uh, funded by Exchequer. Uh, revenue just the same way that TG Cahar is. Uh, the TV licence, obviously, or the, this new type of funding mechanism isn't solely for RTE. It would be also for other uh, broadcasters who broadcast public uh, uh, service content as well, uh, like local radios and other, other stations. Pierce Doherty, thank you very much for coming on the show this morning. That is the Sinn Féin spokesperson on finance and, of course, TD for Donegal, uh, Pierce Doherty. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.